morally for me, I wouldn't play a game I didn't pay for. You wouldn't hack a car, would you? Uh, <laughs> hack a car. Or whatever, whatever the commercial is. <laughs> yeah, it's those uh, the the pirated movie yeah. commercials when you're in the AMC. You wouldn't theater. steal a purse with a baby in it, would you? <laughs> would you hack the baby? Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and say. Hello and welcome to this episode, the newest episode of the Super Agile Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm here to invite you into your new favorite anime, movie, and gaming podcast, if this is your first time here. Otherwise, you already know what it's about, and you're here on purpose, and so we're already your favorites, and you're just one of the Super Agile community here listening with us today. But without any further delay, I'm going to go ahead and introduce who we have here today. Uh, we got myself, Kyle, and we got the man himself, Steve. How's it going, Steve? Hello. It is going fairly well for a Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, this, this, this most fragrant of Tuesdays. Fragrant? Now, what's the scent that's in the air? Uh, it's it's that new podcast smell. You know, that, mm. that newest episode. Tasty. You no, know, it's more like... It's more like Musky, musky, but you know, oh, that kind of get used musk. to it. So not, it's not going to be carried in Bath and Body Works. Then, they... well, I mean, some some people like musk. You know, that's that's a that's a thing. And some people like must with a T. Do they? they haven't? Do I, I don't tell. know if anybody likes who it, likes but... who likes must. Tell me now. <laughs> or or musk with a K. Hmm. You know, doing, that, you, you let me well. think of something, though. When it comes to, like, scents, some people call them flavors, even though it's it's candles and it's it smells. Do you call them flavors, too? When you say some people, do you mean, like, lay people, like you and I? Or do you mean people who are part of the industry? Uh, that's a great question. I don't think I, I know anybody who's a part of the candle industry. Okay. So, so lay you, people. You mean, you mean ignorant people. Ooh. <laughs> um, do I call them flavors? Yeah, I probably do. And I hate myself for it every time, but I You're do, probably. Too. I mean, I guess taste and smell are like pretty closely linked. So Yeah, it's certainly understandable. It's not the furthest departure. Oh, but before I get too far, I want to go ahead and... Uh, sorry, I got to welcome Brad to the uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. Brad's been awful quiet today. Quiet over there, Brad. How's it going, man? <laughs> that's Brad, our good old. <laughs> just gonna... we lost the way Brad. I remember him, as he lives and breathes, as he lives and squeaks. If you haven't already noticed, uh, yeah, it's another duo cast. It's just me and Steve today, so uh, yeah. you're in for a special treat. And our conversation today is going to be around. Uh, it's kind of topical these days, a little bit. I mean, I think it pretty much stays topical. The further yeah. we get into the more digital age of games and the longer that games are around in general, um, you know, games just phase out or they stop being supported or they just disappear. They, they get discontinued. Console generations come. So old things, you know, fall away. So we're going to be talking about DRM and game preservation, game ownership. And uh, why it matters, you know, what, what can we do 
to stop our favorite games from disappearing, Steve? What can we do? Uh, the spoiler is nothing. You can do oh. nothing. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in today, everyone. All is lost. Be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, what you can do, honest. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. Yeah, there's a few things you can do. I mean, I kind of posed the question already. If you would want to get into it, it. Um, well, do we want to maybe start further back and talk about the issue? Sure. Yeah. So, this is something that I'm. I would say like half passionate about, you know, I think every, I think every gamer cares about this one way or another, Yeah. but depending on who you are and what side you fall on, it's either a question of like ownership and preservation versus like piracy. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. how people think of it. Um, and the reason this came up, the reason I broached this to you was that um, Nintendo has yet again been um, lit- not litigious. I'm sure they would be if given the chance, but it was in the news a few in the last couple of days. People have been so you know the Steam Deck is right. We've talked about the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Steam's version of the Switch. Yes, it's a handheld PC essentially. It can run PC software, and that means it can run <coughs> emulators. And there are, I think, two good emulators right now on the Switch. For the Switch, excuse me. Oh, yeah. And on the Switch. Uh, but that's a different topic. Um, and so one of the cool things you can do with your Steam Deck, therefore, is play handheld Nintendo games, Nintendo Switch games, without the Nintendo console. Mm. And so people are on YouTube, and they're showing this off, like, look what I can do. Uh, you know, educational stuff. And Nintendo is taking down these videos. It really doesn't take much. <laughs> it <Nintendo>. really... It <laughs> just just a whiff of that musk will bring them mm-hmm. running. Man. Um, That's pretty ingenious for people, though. I mean, the handful of people who have Steam Decks, I hear they're really hard to get, but mm-hmm. to immediately start playing Switch games on it, which I'd imagine run maybe a little better on... Do you, well, they'll run better. It depends, right? Because the Steam Deck itself, I think the screen is technically lower resolution. I haven't looked oh, at it. Okay, but I mean, you're you're otherwise it has definitely more resources. So uh, if you don't care about battery life, oh, it also has a worse battery. Uh, you know, in the Switch, I don't know if the ba- let me rephrase that. The battery itself may not be worse. I think it actually is, but it might be the same size like milliamp per milliamp but when you're playing switch games on it it will not play them as long as the switch uh, will i guess that's fair is it being yeah. emulated so yeah uh. but like you can play smash bros on it and i saw a video of people playing smash bros and they were having shader compilation issues Ooh. but those are like temporary after you play for a few minutes it evens out at 60 frames per second Nice. Um, yeah. In theory, you could play games at higher frame rates than they're supposed to be played. Uh, not Smash, but, you know, other games. Mario yeah. Kart. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. I'd be down to see that. So I, I haven't actually read this article or heard much about it before you mentioned it. So they're just coming after the videos, not the people themselves. Yeah. They're saying they're, they're, they are claiming copyright infringement, which is not oh. correct. <laughs> They're not, no one is using, no one's abusing their copyrights. Thank um, you, YouTube. 
Yeah, thanks YouTube. Uh, we know you try, but um, mm. yeah, that's just that's just the latest thing Nintendo does. They're all about. They hate emulation. Oh, they do. With the oh passion. yeah, they yeah. don't like. They hate emulation and they hate their fans because they, they don't like fan games either. Like anything that's using their IP for profit or just for fun, they will come at you with the full force. Like, they don't. I don't get it. To be honest, like mm-hmm. other IPs and the publishers, and you know, they, they seem to be so much more gracious. But I mean, emulation's like it's been around. It's not going anywhere. The Steam Deck is just another platform for it, and so for them to kind of attack it, I, I, don't, I don't really get it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're. Uh, I guess they're, the position they have is that emulation is piracy. Like if you emulate, you are a pirate, even if you own the game. Mm. Even if you've bought it a dozen times, you don't have the right. Um, In their eyes. Yeah, it's really frustrating, actually, because, well, there's a couple of frustrating bits. I'll just stick to what I was about to say, which is if you buy, if you have the Nintendo Switch online, you know. um, The membership. The membership. They have a bunch of old games Mm -hmm. from, from like, you know, super old consoles. Those are As emulated. Great. Yeah. <laughs> They're not ported. They're emulated. Right. So they just want to do it themselves. <laughs> yeah. And charge you again for it or a monthly rate. Yeah. It's always they, the bottom uh, line, man. I, I for forget what game it was. They they got caught recently because they... Um, I think it was Super Mario 64. But I don't know if it was part of that Super Mario like trilogy pack. I think or, I know what you're talking about, and it yeah. was part of the trilogy pack. Yeah, there were some old glitches that they mm-hmm. saw in the emulators that were part of those games. Right. So yeah. not only this is this is what that means. Not only were they emulated, but that means that they were specifically using mm-hmm. ROMs that were available online instead of their <laughs> own in-house. Right. <laughs> um, which is so funny to me. It's like they they. We're literally profiting <laughs> from the emulation and ROM scene. Right. Somebody else did the work. And they're like, yeah, we'll take that. Sure. Yeah. We'll sell it. Yeah. Man. And, and man, the, the, the selection on their virtual console outings after the Wii Virtual Console have been sad. And this this one that we're, that we're talking about now on the Switch is pretty recent. You know, it's like they're starting to drip feed because they know people are just hungry for mm-hmm. the the past library in some some capacity yeah. it's 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 pretty predatory if you think about it the way they're kind of handling it yeah what um what is your favorite well let me ask a different question have you well, emulated do you emulate games i have um legally i have <laughs> if um downloaded some emulators for like the uh old pokemon games um and so yeah i i own those uh i i owned pokemon blue and red but i emulated yellow um so i guess technically i didn't purchase the same version if you want to put it that way but i barely played it it was more of an experiment for me um Mm -hmm. i I quickly moved i guess from your run-of-the-mill emulation to messing with stuff like Mugen and Open Boar just because they, they kind of gave me like I guess a similar feel because I, I really like the old beat-em-up games 
but I won't. What's open for? Uh, so it's open beats of rage, and it was pretty much like the the source for the beats of rage games, but in a similar format to Mugen, to where you know you have access to all the assets and the code and stuff, so you can put characters in there and change things up and. Mm-hmm. There's actually a whole website just dedicated to open board games. And so they have ones where, you know, somebody's only put Street Fighter characters in there. But I think there is some overlap between Beats of Rage. No, that's Streets of Rage. No, that isn't. Uh, what am I thinking of? Final Fight. I don't know. thinking of Final Fight and, and Street Fighter. Anyway, so yeah. So people bring those other characters from these other games and put them into this beat-em-up format. And then they, you know, change other things too. But that's pretty much the crux of it is, you know... It was a really, really easy, quick and dirty way to make a, a, a beat-em-up game. It's pretty fun, actually. Um, but So what, what about you? What's your favorite game that you've ever emulated um, mm. legally? <laughs> I have to think about it. So I have, I have also emulated Pokemon Yellow, uh, but I, in fact, own Yellow. Mm. Um, actually, that was one of my first... I think that was one of my first emulations. I was playing it on Android. Ooh, um, on my phone, and uh, that was fun for a while. I could actually, because it's Android, I could actually connect a Wiimote, and so I was playing with the Wiimote sideways, and I had you know the D pad and the big bl- the big button. Yeah, and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, actually, didn't this sound feels that bad. like a Game Boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Wii remote. It really does feel like haptically does feel a lot like the Game Boy, which wasn't bad. It's just kind of a strange choice i guess no it's good it's really good um it's something i kind of miss about the joy cons because the joy cons have those four buttons that have a show they don't have a real d-pad no they don't really it doesn't feel very good most of the time yeah i'm not i i I guess since you mentioned it i'll just say i'm I'm not happy with the joy con situation i think they're functional and i i think the technology is cool you know having always having two controllers is like really novel yeah. But the execution, uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. That's my soapbox. <laughs> for yeah, there's a lot and, of compromises there. Yeah. Joy-Con drift is also uh, still an issue. But hey. You know, I mean, all right, so here's the thing about Joy-Con drift. Mm-hmm. Nintendo will fix your Joy-Cons if you send them in. I've heard about that. How long no does it take? No questions asked. I don't know how long it takes. Um, but... I heard that That's, it was a toss-up between them fixing it or just sending you another one, which I guess for you it's about the same. Yeah, practically it's the same. Um, yeah. Unless you had some like real special connection to your controllers. Uh, I feel like that kind of it, it kind of mirrors the issue we're having with like the DRM situation is that rather than like fi- fix these issues for the community, they're willing to like I don't know find ways around it that are arguably worse i mean they get the job done sure we're getting drip fed these games and you'll get your your joy con fixed but it's like you know why not make better joy cons you know (laughs) it is not ideal that we have to send our broken stuff to nintendo but i'll give them credit if they're willing to undertake this expensive and onerous you know policy of oh yeah send your stuff to us and we'll fix it no questions asked, or we'll replace it, I guess. To me, that says that it must be really difficult or expensive for them to actually fix the Joy-Cons. Maybe more expensive than the amount of people who would be willing to send their Joy-Con back 
versus exactly. just they're probably not Walmart. they're probably betting most people won't do it yeah yeah lazy folks because they did something similar with uh remember mario party on 64 where people were destroying their hands with the controller oh, yeah. and they, i mean the controller wouldn't break those things were you know built to last but they would send people gloves if they complained <laughs> <laughs> it's like they'll always find a way to be like you know reach out to us and we'll somewhat fix it but i can appreciate that it's kind of petty to send someone gloves but, it is very petty <laughs> but the the mentality of look maybe we can't fix your problem at the root but we can at least alleviate the symptoms and we're going to do it i appreciate that they're doing something a lot of companies wouldn't do anything to me it says we don't care but just to just to hush you up <laughs> we don't care please don't sue us right Maybe you're right. Maybe I should Don't be more try. cynical. <laughs> I um, mean, it, if it was like it was, if it was our first time doing something this way, then I think we could give them the benefit of the doubt. But no, Nintendo has a track record. I have another solution. If your if your Joy Cons are drifting, mm-hmm. are you ready for this? Deja vu, deja vu. Um, you can you can buy bottles of this stuff it's called contact cleaner or like electronic contact cleaner mm-hmm. and it's basically a uh, a solvent you know solvent in a bottle you just spray it out of a little straw like an air like a canned air can drink but it. it's do not drink it oh do not drink this high pod <laughs> generation this is not tasty it does not taste it's it's not good um tiktok challenge drink but, so apparently the issue with the Joy-Con sticks is that the the sensors that live under the actual thumbstick mm-hmm. are covered in a layer of graphene or graphite, probably. Not graphene. <laughs> uh, graphite. And over time, the sticks going back and forth can like cause graphite dust to build up in that area. Mm. And it messes with the sensors. So what I found, what I heard online and what works for me... Is you get under those little flaps under the thumbsticks with some electronics cleaner and you mm-hmm. spray them and you wiggle them around and maybe shake them a bit, maybe spray them again, whatever you want. Uh, it's probably best if you don't do this while you're playing, like if maybe have them be off as much as possible, but it is made for electronics. So you don't. Oh, so probably... you don't have to take it apart to do this? No, no, no. You don't have to take it apart. There's like a little rubber flap under the Joy Con thumbstick. And I just stick the straw under that flap and spray it and kind of, you know, point it in different directions. And that will give new life to my Joy-Cons for like a couple months before they start drifting again. Months. Man, that's so sad. I mean, it's sad, but, it you know, I bought one can of this stuff when the, when the Switch came out. <laughs> or a year after the Switch came out. And I haven't even come close to running out of it. So pretty soon um, they're just going to be... They're going to have a little can of that in the, the Switch boxes. <laughs> they're going to have a Nintendo label on it. <laughs> they won't even change the packaging. They'll just tape the can to the outside of each package. <laughs> charge you like 12 bucks for it. <laughs> no, it'll be free because that's what they do. Oh, but, yeah, you're right. But instead of instead of the cost of a Switch going down, it'll just... Well, actually, it did go down, didn't it? Uh, when the OLED came out, I think maybe. No, it I, wasn't even when the OLED came out. I think it. I think it's since the OLED came out, they finally relented, and they were like, "All right, we'll make the old Switch, <laughs> the non OLED, cheaper." I don't know how much it is now, though. I I heard that if you're buying a Switch for the first time, it's not enough to for it to feel like a discount 
to get the original Switch. I said, you might as well go ahead and just get the OLED. Cause it's oh, like I mean, for sure, that's what they want. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a price that makes any sense. <laughs> you know. Plus, the OLED just looks better with those white Joy-Cons. It looks white very dock. nice. Yeah. It'd be tempting if the hardware was different. <sighs> yeah, don't get me started. Everyone keeps telling me, so my Switch is broken. My My fan... The switch works, but the fan is broken, and so I have to be careful not to let it overheat, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's docked and I'm playing something for more than twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, everyone, all my friends make fun of me because I, I talk so much trash about the OLED when it came out, and then my fans broke. And they were like, "Oh, you're gonna buy a new one? You should buy an OLED." Mm. And I just refuse to buy a new one at all. I just keep using the same one. I mean, it it still runs, you know. It still runs, especially handheld, no problem. I mean, hey, are they going to pay for it? In fact, it's even better in handheld mode because there's no fan, so it's even quieter. <laughs> so your hands get all sweaty. Immersive My hands experience. don't get sweaty. I mean, they get the same amount of sweaty as they would have otherwise. <laughs> the same amount, just as maybe, greasy. Maybe a little more. I do have greasy hands. It's terrible. So I think the thing that bothers me the most about the Joy-Con drift, and like kind of segueing back into this DRM situation, is that I guess one of the ways that we can preserve games, at least older games, is up until recently, you know, there weren't games that were only digital. And so if you still have a physical copy of the game, it's fine. And most like yeah. old consoles, if they're not in direct sunlight or, you know, in some terrible situation, will still work. And it's like the issue I've had with, I guess, old old hardware is that I don't remember like my SNES controllers struck. I mean, they didn't have joysticks, but they didn't have like, I guess, a similar thing to drift. Like even when the rubber was was coming off of the button tips and stuff like that stuff, would it would still work. It would still register, you know. And so I think that's what this, I think that's what disappoints me the most about this new stuff is like it's more expensive, but it's worse made, worsely made, not it's shabby it's it's bad it's badly made it's, <laughs> it's poorly bad. made it's so bad <laughs> and so it's just like why not meet us halfway you know at least make better stuff if yeah <sighs> so i didn't actually answer the question <laughs> oh yeah go ahead and <laughs> i was talking i was talking about pokemon my favorite th- i don't emulate a lot to to generalize here but i did recently download and install dolphin and oh, yeah, I was playing Metroid Prime on the GameCube mm-hmm. version. Um, and that was really cool. Like, you can download. And to be fair, to be clear, I own Metroid Prime on GameCube and on the Wii. So Oh, you bought it twice. You know, that's right. Twice is nice. So now I'm playing it guilt-free on my PC. Somewhere else. Neither one of your purchases. Well, I played the heck out of them when I bought them. Oh, okay, so, fair enough. Yeah, it sounded like it's just been idling in my closet. It, I destroyed those. I've probably played Metroid Prime 1 and 2 uh, each at like seven or eight times all the way through. Wow, that's a testament. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um, <coughs> so I was playing that on my computer with a GameCube controller, and that was sick because, um, you know, 1440p, I, I, got, I downloaded some some upscaled textures playing at a smooth 60 fps which i mean it always played at 60 i think but man that game was so it looks so nice with a higher resolution 
it uh-huh. felt like it was at that high resolution when the game first came out. Like the yeah. the visuals for the GameCube were already super impressive. Yeah. So even without the high res textures, with the original tech, I mean, definitely some stuff looks muddy, but all the edges are so crisp. It's like, ooh, I can see the beam. <laughs> ooh. You bring up a good point <laughs> about one of the uh, benefits, I guess, to emulation is like the upscaling. Because there, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there have been games that were kind of like revitalized because they were emulated. Like the hardware that they were made for couldn't really support the game's vision. And so then once they were emulated, then people were actually able to play the game. There was one I saw earlier, or not, not earlier, but recently. I can't remember the name of it. I, th- I want to say it was like a a tactics game or something like that, where it was it was mm-hmm. very, I guess, heavy as far as gameplay. But when it came out, it was just su- super limited, and they had to cut things, stuff that was like still in the game. I don't remember, but it was like because of emulation, because you know pe- people in the community are so dedicated into keeping these games alive, and I guess letting them live up to their full potential when the technology has finally caught up with the vision of the developers at that time, it's just like, man, you know, it, it, it breathes new life into old experiences sometimes. Yeah. I know some people who are listening are going to be like, Oh, but CRTs were so cool. And like, you know, they, they add, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, things don't look the way they were meant to look. If you mm-hmm. don't play them on the TV, they were made for. I get that. Everything after CRTs, though, <laughs> could probably do with a crispness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially like 3D graphics. Huge. Oh yeah, huge. Oh my gosh, dude! I I, I didn't play very much, but I did also emulate for a little bit. Uh, Wind Waker. Ooh. That game, the cell shading works so well. You don't even need better res- better textures. You just need the high high resolution. It looks so crisp. It's unreal. Man, Wind Waker is one of those games that no matter how old they get, at least the way I feel about it now, the the art style is just timeless. And so it could be emulated on anything and still look just fantastic. Dang, now I want to play a Wind Waker. Can we play it on your Steam Deck? (laughs) I don't don't have a Steam Deck. I'm not planning (laughs) on getting one in the near future. No, I thought you were sold. I think they're super cool. Um, I just... I have a lot of devices right now, mm. you know, like I'm trying to get a PS5. I have a switch. I might, you know, buy, <laughs> buy a new switch to, to replace the old one. But even if I were buy an old, a new one, I'm going to keep the old one cause it's hackable. Um, that way I can dump my ROMs and legally play my games <laughs> in emulation. <laughs> mm-hmm. They'll um, still come find you. Yeah. But yeah they'll find me. Um, but that that brings up what I was going to talk about, which is what I, I one of the things was ownership, right? Like, how do you know how do you, what how do you own the game? Yeah, what does that mean to you to own a game? So I think that the community has done like a really good thing in that they um, suggest you know only emulating games that you've paid for. Uh, and, you know, in, in this day and age, it's not uncommon to be able to get a digital version of something that you bought physically. You know, I, I remember DVDs did that a lot 
mm-hmm. years ago where you yeah you'd buy the box and then there would be like a digital download or something a key that you could you know download to your um your what was it, your iPod the one one that could play movies yeah like they incentivized they incentivized you know enjoying their content on whatever you could because you you paid for it you bought the you couldn't distribute it of course but since you bought it you could enjoy it in whatever capacity you know you wanted to and so I think that that's a fine part of the emulation scene, you know, but I just, I know that that's just not how the world works overall is that most people I'd imagine who emulate stuff do it because they don't have access because they never purchased it. Um, but if, if you, if you bought it, I think it's fine. And I, I don't, I don't know what that means, I guess for like the future, as far as ownership of games and them only being digital, after you purchased it because I, we'll probably talk about this later but we're kind of moving towards a day and age where everything you purchase is digital and somebody else is effectively holding on to it yeah and so if they ever decide to take down whatever platform your digital purchase is on then you know you don't have access to it and there's nothing you can do about it so you know that, i think that's going to be an issue in the future but right now when we're in that crossroads you know, I think it's fine to, I guess, if you bought something and you know how to access it otherwise, sure. Yeah. Let's let's say for the sake of argument, let's go ahead and say that we don't agree with playing games you did not pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, there might be an argument for that or like, oh, it helps revenue or it helps interest in a game. Let's just go ahead and wipe it all off. You know, I'm, this isn't a moral statement although i morally for me i wouldn't play a game i didn't pay for um you wouldn't hack a car would you uh, <laughs> someone said that to me today um hack a car <laughs> or whatever whatever the commercial is i wasn't even listening i just listened to it while i was working <laughs> just yeah it's those uh the, the pirated movie yeah. commercials when you're in the amc you wouldn't theater. steal a purse with a baby in it would you <laughs> would you hack the baby um so yeah let's just go ahead and say piracy that is playing a game you did not pay for is not a is a no-no however i think some people would say that playing a game that you paid for on a platform where you did not pay for it is still piracy Ooh. and to that i say for chow (laughs) ka-chow for gouch (laughs) Mm. I am speed. Wow. Yeah. So, do you want to elaborate on your nihao? So, I mean, that's what we've been talking about, right? Like, I bought a game on the Game Boy Color. Well, uh-huh. I didn't buy it. My parents bought it. And so it. Nintendo would say, well, that means you can only play it on the Game Boy Color unless uh-huh. we sell it to you again for the Game Boy SP. <laughs> and to that, I say, no. I bought it once. I should be able to play it, you know, in its package, not its packaging, but like in its original release state, mm. right? Uh, so, I think that that's kind of like a case by case uh, issue because there also was a time where backwards compatibility was like a, a real thing. And it seems like that's being purposefully phased out, you know. If you buy a PlayStation game 
and then buy a PlayStation 2, you can play your PlayStation 1 game on it. And they're not going to make you... Even now, actually, uh, we've been playing Fallen Order. And I had a physical copy of Jedi Fallen Order that I put into my PS5. And it was like, do you want to download the free PS5 version? Or do you want to play the PS4 version? The UI was kind of bugging out. And every time I tried to start the game, it it started copying the PS4 version to my... PS5 hard drive, which was a really weird thing. I would never want to do that. But uh, yeah, so well, that's what but, the PS4 does. I assume the PS5 does too. It copies the disc to your hard drive. Yeah, and so, well, it was after it gave me the choice to choose the PS5 version, but then it would always default to copy whenever I went to the icon on my list. So I oh, had I to, see. That's annoying. So, yeah, so I had to really intently make sure I was choosing the PS5 version every single time I started up the game. But anyway, I say that to say, you know. This this whole I guess cross platform idea is, or not cross platform. Well, yeah, maybe cross platform. Playing the same game on the platform you didn't buy it for. I don't know. I, I think I feel like you still bought a ticket, but you're just sitting in a different seat at that point. Like you know, like you paid for entry, and I think the system isn't really set up in most ways for people to play the same or play the same game on in different ways. But then that's like the beauty of emulation is that, you know, if you don't have access to your Game Boy anymore, but you did pay for it, then if you can play it on your computer, you know, 15 years, 20 years later, mm-hmm. then I feel like it, it just makes it makes sense because of how time has progressed. You know, so to you, there's two separate questions of of compatibility, we'll call it. One is a question of time where. You know, I want to play this game in perpetuity mm-hmm. across my future devices. And one is a question of, of uh, let's just call it device, devices, device space, where you want to maybe, well, not you specifically, but one might want Me. to buy a game for PlayStation and also play it on Xbox. And so mm-hmm. you say the time argument is sound, but the device argument is not sound. I guess yeah. The long and short of it is okay. yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would agree with that. But do you think it's wrong to like if I buy a PlayStation game and I emulate it on my computer? Would you call that piracy, or would you just say, "Oh, that's an unreasonable ask," or both? That's a kind of. A, I think. I think it, it's kind of a tough one to be honest. I, yeah. I would lean towards saying it's it's reasonable if you. Since you paid for it. But I also know that you could purchase the game for either the PlayStation or to play it on your PC. So it's not like the the game is limited only to PlayStation. In oh. most cases. I mean, like there are exclusives and stuff. So it's I think a question the, of availability to you. Yeah. So, so since, since you're able to pay for it, you should pay for it. I think holistically, yes. Like you, okay. you should You should make that choice up front. Because there are games that I would like to play on different platforms, even these days. Like the last game that I bought that I was considering which platform to buy it on was this new Ninja Turtles game, uh, Something Something Shredder. I can't remember the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a friend of mine that I usually play beat em up games with that we've played on either PC, Switch, or PS, or PlayStation. And so, you know, it's available on all those console, all those platforms. But 
I made my decision based on who I was going to play it with and when I was going to play it. And so now that I've bought it for Switch, I don't think that I should have access to it on my PC just because, you know, I bought it on Switch. Because it's like all, all of those options were available to me at the start. And so it's not a question of access. It's a, it's, it's a decision that I made. And so it would be piracy now to say, oh, well, I just want to go back on my decision or I want to double dip, you know. Without paying a double dip. Right. But you wouldn't be you wouldn't have a problem maybe emulating Smash on your computer because you can't buy Smash on PC. I generally yes because I've, I've because I purchased I purchased Smash before. You because you've purchased it and because you can't it's impossible to purchase on PC. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm with you actually on that. That makes sense to me. I was a little probably probably a little too uh, broad in my initial statement. We got there though. We got there. No, that's a good clarification. I think people are going to disagree too. You know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who are, <laughs> like you said earlier, was, you know, on the bandwagon for both sides of it. Where, well, if emulation is so bad, then it shouldn't be available at all. But since it is available, I'm going to indulge. And people who say that all emulation is piracy. You know, if, if you want the game, find the physical copy on eBay or purchase the game on Steam or some equivalent. You know, so. Yeah. The Nintendo position. <laughs> we hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I don't know. I have thoughts about that, but I guess it really that's unfortunate because it really just does come down to like your personal little moral streak, I guess. Um, and probably the way you see the world. Yeah. Um, I will never I'll I'll never condone stealing, but I don't know. Digital assets, especially, are are kind of uh, finicky, I guess, in what's considered what I'd consider to be stealing it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that what so this is cool, right? Um, One of the cool things that Sony does is, like you mentioned earlier, when you get a physical game. It downloads to the hard drive, and then the disc really becomes a key. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you give away the disc, you won't be able to play it, even though it's on your hard drive. So you get the best of both worlds. You get the faster access to the game files because it's there already. It's on the mm-hmm. hard drive. Um, but you still get the freedom to do as you will with the physical game. Um now we're moving more towards like a future where the game is on the disc because the the disc or the game got tons of patches. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, how many games have we heard of these days that like you put it in and it just downloads the whole thing? <laughs> right. Day one patches are yeah. the norm. Or worse, you buy the you buy like the physical edition. I isn't that what just happened with uh the new god of war ragnarok they were talking about the physical editions and then it turns out that it just has a code in the box uh, i i like, don't want to no believe disc? that's what i'm saying i don't know if it's true i maybe i misheard something because that doesn't seem right to me that seems uh, bonkers i don't know i mean they're really like what you're saying they're really only one step away from doing that because yeah. i I, I I do appreciate yeah the download to it to the degree that the games do run faster, but how much space it takes up on your hard drive, 
and then yeah, d- sharing the game. Like I mean, if you want to get technical about it, you couldn't. You can't play like on older consoles. If you don't have the disc, you can't play the game. So on that front, it makes sense. But to not to to sell me a disc but not have the game on the disc feels a little bit like disingenuous. It doesn't feel like a genuine experience of, of purchasing right. the physical. Like what am I actually buying? You know. Yeah. And there's always the worst. Oh, you know what? I just had a crazy idea. What if you could buy a game, uh, say on the Switch, right? You buy a digital game. Um, what if you could also buy empty cartridges? And if you decided, I don't want to own this anymore, you could, you know, pick an option on the Switch. You put this empty cartridge in your Switch. It burns the game to the, to the, oh. to the empty cartridge. <laughs> and you know, invalidates your license. All right. So you no longer have it in your store and then you can get, then it's basically a digital to physical conversion. Huh? And now, so that physical cartridge won't work on your switch. It'll still work on your switch, but it's not part of, it's not part connected to your account and you can't like download it from the shop again. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think in order for that to work, first off, they'd have to have like, consistency between digital and physical i think there's still a little bit of a disparity between buying the physical version of i think it's still a little bit more expensive oh you mean price consistency price consistency yeah i mean maybe it'll make up for it by buying this blank cartridge but yeah the cartridge would probably be expensive I feel like people would also find a way to cheese that and, you know, take take the cartridge out halfway while it's burning and then cause it to start over and just keep doing that a couple of times and then burn multiple copies by cheesing the system. Uh, maybe. I mean, there's, def- there's absolutely the uh, possibility for foolishness like that. <laughs> maybe uh, people would develop like an adapter that just hooks the cartridge slot directly to a PC. Ooh. Yeah, that would be the man. It would, would it, it would make it would would it make emulating games easier if it went directly to your PC at that point? From yeah, the I mean that store. it's it's literally dumping the ROM. <laughs> um, so Nintendo should do this so that we have access to more emulated games. That's <laughs> what you're saying. But it'd be a cool idea, right? Like to be able to because then you can buy a game physically or otherwise. And you'll always know. It'd be even better. It'd be even. This actually might be a good idea from their perspective because it'll be better to buy digital because you know that whenever you decide to burn your game, it'll be the complete game with all the patches up to that point. It won't be whatever mm. was shipped on day one. Yeah. Which, which I think more and more in the future is going to be <laughs> less and less of the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, these games are getting constant patches. Yeah. Nintendo actually, they do have, I mean, obviously they have patches to some of their like live service type games like Splatoon or Smash. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think the Mario Kart or the Mar- the Super Mario thing has only had like two or three patches and none of them, none of them were like early. Like the, I wouldn't be the, surprised. The one zero, the 1.0 version was completely playable from what I understand, from what I recall. So was Metroid, I think. I do feel like that is one thing that Nintendo has held on to over the years that other studios and publishers haven't is the idea of 
shipping a finished game. It's like, if Nintendo is making it, I don't think they're ever going to ship a game that just won't. If you don't have an internet connection, then the game's still going to run fine. Like, if you get it from Nintendo. Yeah. Wow. While other games, it's, it's a toss-up. Whether or not you'll be able to play it at all, or, or how far you'll be able to get before before a game a, a, a bug a game breaking bug they knew about and shipped the game with anyway shows up. And so I do appreciate that. I think that's why they also get so much grace, if you will, on how they handle their games. Is that even in the, the especially the back catalog, which is why their games get emulated so much. It's just so many strong titles. Like that's the whole motive yeah. in my that I that I feel like people really want to hold on to these games is because you want to pass it down. Yeah. It's like they the experiences are just so good. Yeah. I mean some people just want to save games for the sake of archiving and like, you know, the history. Mm-hmm. And I totally respect that. That's not me. I think someone needs to do that because yeah. someday some future Steve is going to be like, what was this game like? And I won't be able to find out because no one saved it and I didn't save it. Right. Um, and it's already happened quite a lot. Yeah. But these evergreen games, yeah, like there's a lot of reason to keep them around. And I think as like communities, like the uh, speedrunning community, you know, that just they play games over and over again, find new things about games and I guess, really just shine a light on games in a completely different way. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, having... Them having access to a game for decades means something different than just having it in an archive, too. Because, like, they're discovering stuff. Games that we grew up with, they discovered new stuff. What was it? Donkey Kong Country on the Nintendo 64? They discovered, like, a hidden banana last year? I didn't know anything about this. Something like that. Yeah, one of the the rainbow bananas. The, oh. the rainbow bananas. Yeah, like within the last like three years, I, I want to say. Somebody was either speedrunning or just playing it, 100%ing it. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they found another banana. And it, it, just, it just blew everybody in the Donkey Kong country's mind. Right, of course. And it's like discoveries like that will never be made if, if the game just disappears. And you know these people aren't playing on... Original hardware. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. It's just not feasible. No. Speed running, other, you know, niche uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the emulations, they, they actually lend themselves pretty well. You know, you have save states and, uh, you know, able to use different controller configurations because even to this day, games have an issue with accessibility and adding different ways of control and and stuff like that so i think you know even with just giving access they also provide you know the the availability to make games better in in some cases like not maybe not changing the game itself but just how the game is played and experienced so what are your thoughts on games that require like an online server like multiplayer games right Mm-hmm. They require that somebody host a server, somebody. and it's usually that somebody is usually a you know a Nintendo or a Sony or, or I guess a Microsoft. Yeah. So I've actually played a couple of games um, that had pretty, I guess, strong-ish multiplayer presences, 
and, you know, last for a couple of years and then, you know, get shut down. And it's just, it's a big detriment to those who are playing it. I mean, people get over it, of course, but uh-huh. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the rinse and repeat that tends to happen. Um, and so the games that I played, the first one was gigantic. Uh, it was, a Oh, was you a played hero. gigantic. I did. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, it was, it was a hero shooter style game. But it was super stylized, visually yeah. stunning game. Yeah. Um, Very anthropomorphic characters. Like nobody really had nobody had a gun per se. But um, and so you know you would you would have these five v five battles. And the reason the game was called gigantic is because on either side there is a large beast. You know, and you're trying to make your way to the other side so you can defeat this beast, and that's how you win the round. Um, but yeah, fun game. Probably the first game that I got into when I bought my PC. It had just come out. Um, but yeah, not too long after, because it was, it was free to play, but, um, the devs were really focused on balancing the game. And right. so it had very little, uh, ways of making money when it first came out. Um, which was kind of sad because it didn't, it didn't start off in like an alpha either, or at least, it wasn't in alpha very long. Like it was a it was a full release game with and it was carrying a huge load of, of people and wasn't pulling in any revenue, so they couldn't last. Um you you played Gigantic, Steve? No, but I I saw some videos about it. Uh, it looked really cool, but I, I'm not a hero shooter fan, really, so I avoided it. Well I didn't even have to avoid it, I just didn't look for it. <laughs> For me, it was kind of like a similar experience that I had, I guess, with Hades, which is I, w- I would consider myself not to be really a, a hero shooter fan either. I played Overwatch for a little bit and got tired of it um, just because, I guess, in in those games, it always seems like there's a, a certain build that your team has to have versus you playing the game and being able to have fun by picking different characters right. and doing whatever you want each match. I feel like Gigantic was a way to do this because you know it didn't matter what your team comp was um as long as you were sticking together pretty much you would you'd do better than the other team type of thing um and so i really i really enjoyed that there was there was more freedom in the game in my experience and it hadn't been around long enough to have a toxic community (laughs) so there was that um but if it was still around yeah i definitely recommend it i'd probably still be playing it um but yeah so it was super sad to see that game go uh, a lot of heartfelt like comments and stuff on the the game's page, and then the second game, <coughs> excuse me, that um I played and then saw it die was uh have you heard of Spellbreak? Ooh, uh, that does sound familiar. Is it the one where you have? Well, this doesn't describe a lot, I guess. It has like elemental spells like poison and ice, and you uh-huh. combine them and stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I it's like I'm a spells name, only. Right? It's like a spells only shooter. Yeah, it was pretty much like a, a spellcaster battle royale, and the instead of like you know your typical weapons chest, you'd run around until you found these gauntlets, and they would give you these different elemental powers. And then yeah, you, there was also deeper systems in the game. So like you were saying, you know, if you had this this one that shot out poison gas. You could also light the poison gas on fire if you had the fire gun, or if somebody else did. I think there was 
and and as the game grew, you know, these systems kept kept getting deeper and deeper. Um, and so yeah, I played the alpha of that game a couple years ago and joined the Discord, and it was that this huge big community was around it. And then a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, they announced. I don't think the game has shut down yet, but they announced that yeah, the game is going to be closing its doors. And similar to Gigantic, you know, in the comments, people were like saying. I've really been enjoying this game. I wish there was a way to to preserve it to keep it around, and you know, because there really isn't. It's because it is just a multiplayer game, and there wasn't a single player aspect to it. There's really no way to keep the game around. Well, what they could do is they could release the server client, and then the people host their own servers. Mmm. Yeah, they could. Or bundle it as part of the you know the game so that everyone has it. I mean, that's what like. That's what a lot of PC games used to do, isn't it? Is you could play official servers. I gosh, I just I was just reading this epic story about uh, World of Warcraft. Oh there yeah, are some, there are some people playing a version of World of Warcraft from like 13 years ago. Yep, and they just keep playing this ultra old version. Yep, and they're on their own, you know, isolated server, and they they unlocked some event where like a giant dragon or the sleeper wakes up and destroys a bunch of stuff and it was like a it was a big deal because it uh there were certain loot opportunities that were very distinct and powerful that are no longer available because they woke the sleeper and you can't go back Mm. so it's like they had this thing going for years and years and years and they finally did it and it's not like it's the end of the game it's just one event but to them it was like you know, that was the one thing they never wanted to do. And it's a oh, really interesting dang. story of like the politics where like one guild wanted to do it and then they didn't want to do it. And then some people went rogue and tried to do it anyway. And the rest of the guild stopped them and like, oh, wow. And then they were like, you know what? The guild, let's just do the whole thing. And, uh, and then now the other guilds hate them. So it's like, <laughs> they ruined they, they, everything. Yeah, they ruined everything. Yeah. Man. But the point is that like, I mean, a lot of games do release some sort of client that people can use to host and it, um, you know, the game can live forever. Well, maybe that's the method of, of preservation then. Um, because it has yeah, to be. I actually knew of a, a story about World of Warcraft. A similar one. I don't know if it's the same one, but yeah, the server was going to be shut down. And there was a huge ceremony like in-game where, you know, characters who were prolific in their servers were, were walking down the street and everyone was standing on this, either side of the street emoting like in the in the final hours of the game. Wow super yeah like, there's videos of it it's 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 kind of strange but at the same time it's it's really like i don't know touching you know in a weird way yeah i feel that yeah but the issue you know i say oh just release the client the issue is that people like nintendo don't want to release the client Mm-hmm. you know uh right. well not that simple you know what maybe i can't get on nintendo about this because they don't even have a lot of old multiplayer games like this that's um, true I guess Brawl would be one of the first ones where I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why can't we play Brawl online? But no one wants to play Brawl online, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Brawl <laughs> <Nothing>. online. <laughs> nah, um, people want the Wii Virtual Console back, man. That's very true, yeah. Speaking of Brawl online, people are playing Melee online. People have People love Melee so much. Yeah. Melee was never multi well, it was multiplayer. It was never online. <laughs> they uh, advertised it as online multiplayer at one of the was it at one of the E threes or showcases? 
When? Like, back in the day? Mm-hmm. Before it was released. I know nothing. That might be true, but it's a lie. It was... Oh, yeah, it was a lie. It came it, out that it was... <laughs> but you barely knew what online was. Someone said it on the stage. I forgot who... I don't think it was Reggie. It might have been Reggie. But they were like, yeah, online multiplayer, and then didn't have it. But yeah, fans have built an online client from the ground up, from what I recall, from what I understand. And that's awesome. that's that's how people play melee now. It's mostly through uh uh it's called Slippy. Oh yeah, I've heard about Slippy. Because they yeah. were doing tournaments and stuff. Uh they were especially during the pandemic. They were. Nintendo actually like banned them from doing online tournaments at some big fighting tournament. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, weren't they were like, You can't you can't we're not gonna allow you because of Slippy. Because you're like, you know, tarnishing our game or whatever. So they weren't able to do it at all because it's Right. It, it was like during COVID, it was an online-only tournament. <laughs> Terrible. Thanks, Nintendo. Yeah. Always there. Yeah. Man. And stuff like that, man, is just... I don't understand. Like, if, if people love what you made so much that they're willing to keep it alive, you know, hours, month, days, months, years of work to keep it alive and thriving, and you just come through one day and say, nah, we don't want you to do that with it, like... And and a lot of the biggest thing about the, a lot of these tournaments and stuff is that they're a lot of the proceeds that go to charity. They're great fundraisers. You know, they bring mm-hmm. exposure both to the game, the community, the publisher. Like Nintendo would get publicity from this, you know, twenty twenty year old game, positive publicity because people are still playing it. Like that's that's a testament because Melee didn't get any patches. You know, I mean, people have patched it since then, but it's just like. The game was such a strong foundation that it's lasted this long. Yeah. It's a cult. It has a cult following. Strong cult following. After, even after Ultimate came out, you know, Melee is still... Because I think people regard Ultimate as, as a pretty top-tier Smash game. I mean, at least number two. You know what would be nice? So... If we could emulate games, like, to whatever heart's content, especially old games, then nobody would buy... Well, that's not true. Most people would not buy the remakes and remasters that these publishers make. Mm. Because, I mean, frankly, a lot of emulation... A lot of emulation is better than, like, the remaster. Bro. I feel... Because you have, you know, more control over the game. You can change the controls. You can... You know, do whatever. You can, like, get into the ROM and mess around. Um, Prime example is the <laughs> the Grand Theft Auto remakes that just came out oh, like a yeah. year ago. Because those have been being emulated for years. Yeah. And then for those to, those remakes to come out, remasters, it, and be worse in, <laughs> in so many aspects. You know, it, it, if anything, it kind of validated... <laughs> the need for emulations for certain games yeah but I'm, i was saying one one cool aspect depending on how you look at it maybe it's not cool that would force people like nintendo to actually just release new games instead of re-releasing the same old games over and over yeah because there'd be less interest in like super mario 64 So do you think that, I guess, remakes and remasters, you know, 
are they better than emulations? Like the I guess the ones that like they did a the Halo remastered trilogy. Like, would you prefer a remaster from the publishers over playing the original game if if they're still good? Um, I think in general I would because I'm a scrub, but I know a lot of people were mad specifically <laughs> about Halo because the new graphics took away from the ambiance and atmosphere of the original. Uh. Um, but I think the new graphics look great, so you know I can live with that. And um, you know, one of the smart things they did about it was actually they they put it in there you could switch like at any at any time yes. between. I do that all the time. I've been playing. That's the other thing, though, right? They didn't just re-release the game. They released a collection of, like, mm-hmm. five games. So, of course, I'm going to buy that. Right. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the point? I don't want to dig out my old Xbox 360 just to play Halo when I have it installed along with Halo 2, 3, and 4, and Reach. <laughs> you know? Like, what's the point? Right. Those old library graphics aren't that great. <laughs> they're charming they're charming uh, yeah I mean unless you're really in love with the style I would say newer games are usually better and in the case of the Halo the Master Chief Collection I think they've done better than any emulator would but yeah. Nintendo can almost never say that <laughs> no yeah because they, I mean, they haven't, I guess, proven. Has there been a Nintendo game that's gotten an actual like re? I know they did. What was it, the Legend of Zelda: uh, Link Link's Awakening was technically a remake. Oh, I see. Um, I think other than like the graphics and the controls, I've heard that's like almost a one to one to the old game. Yeah. I don't know. I never played either one. I played a little bit of the new one, but yeah, I don't have a point of reference. For a lot of people one, just so. gasped. You what? <laughs> Sorry. And they tuned out right then. Yeah, they quit the podcast. They quit being my friend. <laughs> Unfriended. So you got um, me thinking about this weird middle ground between like emulations and remakes. And sure. I don't know if it's still like a trend, but the mini consoles. That came out, like, uh, there was the Mini NES, the Mini... Was there a Mini PS1, or was that just a leak? Or a, a speculation? Uh, sounds like it was just speculation. There's a, there's a handful of them that came out, but they were, like... They are pretty much, from what I understand, Raspberry Pis. You know, where it was a, a small system that had these emulated games on it, but it was from the actual publisher... And I, I think in some ways, yeah. yeah, sanctioned. And I heard that in, in, in some ways they were not better, but like, I don't know, performance wise, they held up. So it was more consistent, I guess, than if you just grab, you know, the the ROM for yourself on your PC and then tried to run it. And then they had like the UI that was kind of reminiscent of the sure. older consoles. So it was, yeah. it was kind of more, it was like, I guess, a more fulfilling experience, if you will. Uh, it was more polished, probably. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I guess more That's polished. That's fair. I, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I have a friend who bought the uh, the NES, whatever, either the NES or the Super NES Mini, 
mm-hmm. and immediately cracked it and filled it up with all sorts of games and <laughs> everything on it now. That's awesome. Because why not, right? Like, yeah. he paid for the hardware. He probably didn't pay for all the games that he has on there, but he's also mm-hmm. a huge, you know, old school gaming freak. So to him, that's that's heaven. Heaven. West Virginia. Yeah. Is West Virginia really heaven? I doubt it. It's in the song, so it's got to be true. Or is it... Did they say almost heaven? Now i got to think of the lyrics. I don't... I don't know. I don't even think it's close. It's West Virginia. Have you ever been to West Virginia? No. There's some good uh, rafting, kayaking there. Then I won't go. I had a very poor whitewater rafting experience. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was uh, in my late teens ish and um it was it was actually kayaking we thought it was going to be rafting this time but it was kayaking and me and my good friend jordan um we got into a kayak together and we thought they told us it was a short trail right and just so we wouldn't like crash into each other they sent us out at different intervals oh lovely yeah and so we were out there by ourselves pretty much on the water it was super calm water, so it was, you know, it was kind of nice. But then, you know, the thing about it is because it's a, it's still, you're, you're still on the rap or on a trail that has rapids, so there were like drops and stuff. And so the first couple were fine, but then, man, later into our ride, thinking that we were pretty close to it being over, we hit this just horrible rapid. And, uh, you know, doing our best to go down, we kayak, or not kayak, but we, you know, been rafting before so they were like okay well here's the pals you're good you know just don't die and so perfect of course when we're going down this thing because we're inexperienced we flip the the canoe or the kayak and so then we have to figure out on our own because nobody's around you know how we flip this thing try not to drown you know there's water rapid water all around us and we're both trying not to panic and, you know trying to be tough guys but thinking that our lives are over eventually mm-hmm. we did flip the thing we got back into it and then we were able to get to a beach that was nearby. But then on that beach, you know, we we decided, yeah, this is this is the last time. And um yeah, I haven't been I haven't been since. I've been to places for rafting before. Like my wife really loves doing it. And um, you know, we were with the group, the our youth group, and they went a couple more times after that. And bro, I stayed on shore every time. Traumatized. Traumatized. Legitimately. Like I thought my life was over. And I've actually had that happen. I was drowned once, not in a rafting situation, in a in a river situation. You were just in a river. Uh, basically, yeah. It's a long story. I had a oh. friend who couldn't swim, but he assured me that if I supported him in the river, he'd be fine. Uh, spoiler alert: he was not fine. So <laughs> <laughs> he starts trying to use me as a buoy. Mm. Uh, that did not work. Buoy boy. Uh, thankfully, we had some friends nearby who, well, by the time they showed up, this man was half passed out, so they didn't really Sick. help him at all. Um, they just kind of, you know, dragged him to the out of the water, left me in the water by myself. So I eventually made it to the beach. <laughs> I'm like floating. I've been like <laughs> fighting this man for like two minutes. I'm floating away down the river, and they're like, "We got him." I'm like, "Cool. <laughs> I'll just Thanks. see you. I'll see you down river a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as this man, I was like out. I was in shock. I couldn't move for like probably 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, man. 
after I got to the land. He was right as rain after like three or four minutes. <laughs> he was, he was walking fine. around. <laughs> yeah, he was fine. You did all the work, Bowie. I I literally did all the work. Man. But yeah, and that, there was a, there was several there was a period of time where I was sure that I had gotten both him and myself killed, and I was really mad about it. Snap! Yeah, yeah. you went through it's all the stages of grief out there. Yeah, but there's no grief worse than digging out an old console and plugging in your game, and it tries to connect to the server, and the server the servers have been taken off, and you can't play that game ever again. That's even made worse to... There was the era when single-player games required an online connection. Oof. Oof. Yeah, big oof. So, yeah, definitely feel that pain. Moment of silence, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> to their credit, I think most of the publishers still, like, support the stores and the servers that, like, your you know, whatever your PS4 would call out to. Mm-hmm. Other than like the really old hardware, I haven't had any issues or like know anyone has any issues trying to play a game that they bought and and not being able to play it. I know it happens, but yeah, I think overall the industry has gotten better about it. Um, well, I think it's not gotten better. I just think it. Ha- I think it's the opposite. I think it's getting worse. Oh, but the what saved us up till now is that the consoles that are kind of in the age where you would expect them to shut down the servers and not talk to them anymore, were barely online consoles to begin with. Like the oh, okay. Wii is <laughs> is the newest, you know, uh, uh, casualty. But who plays Wii anymore? Uh, the Just Dance crowd. Right, that's fair. Jeez, they really do. Actually, you know, I heard it's funny. Um, I had heard a while ago that the Wii servers are going down. And it was a big deal. But I think that they came back up again in the last week. <laughs> we will not be stopped. Which is super weird, right? They just they just went silent and then months, half more than half a year later, they're like, actually, we're still here. There must have been some backlash, some outcry. I mean, there definitely was at first, but not in the past couple months. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Don't you guys have Wii U's? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I forget sometimes that the Wii U even exists. Oh, man. Didn't the Wii U have a virtual console? Yeah, it was backwards compatible. I'm pretty sure it had the same virtual console. Yeah, probably one of the only redeeming qualities of the Wii U. You could play GameCube games. Wait, could you? I don't think Wii. you could. On the Wii, I don't think it actually supported GameCube games, the Wii U. That's a shame. I mean, that's I mean, that's two generations. That's fair. And that's a physical disc you have to put in there. So they would have to... Well, they had a disc reader. It did, yeah. A little bitty uh, disc. Maybe there was some reason they couldn't. Maybe the hardware was... No, because the... It was just basically just a Wii Plus. Like It was almost the same hardware, from what I recall. It seemed like it. A lot of people were confused about what the Wii U actually was. I still kind of am. I've seen a Wii U and played one and still really don't understand it's why sad it because It's sad because people talk about how, what a banger the Wii is, the Wii U is, but they just didn't have any good games. <laughs> or they didn't have enough adoption. Yeah, they got good games now after the Switch. A couple of the Switch games were built for Wii U, it seems. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. The Whoa. Switch was the first console we got after the Wii U. Yeah. That just feels, it feels so far removed from the Wii U. Yeah, it feels like the Switch was the first one after the Wii. <laughs> to me. <laughs> it feels like the Wii U just doesn't exist. It's a blip. Yeah, it's a... So what do you plan to do when... And this is another, I guess, another question about preservation. What do you plan to do when Steam and Epic Games... If... I say when, if, I guess. If they decide to close, close their, their doors. doors. Yeah. Oh, we use the same phrase. That's fun. That's so so Steam and now Epic Games, I guess, have gotten a lot of slack because all the stuff that we're complaining about is like their starting business model. <laughs> but people just trust them. They just trust that the Steam servers are always going to be online, that you'll always be able to download your game. Mm-hmm. The client's always going to be able to play the game that you downloaded. Like there's not going to be any uh, I guess if you remove a game from Steam, it can still be played on your computer if you happen to have it. Um, so that's good. It isn't like the game will just like become unplayable. Uh, I've had mixed experiences with. I mean, maybe it could be the way that I download them. I guess maybe through Steam. Um, but there's been games that I haven't been able to play, even if they didn't really seem to be deeply. I don't know, connected to stream, Steam, if you will, like to get the rewards and badges and stuff. That when I, you know, open the click, double click the exe for the game, it would still open Steam first. Well, that's because the games run inside of Steam. Yeah, but in theory, you could you could have a copy of Steam and not need like an online aspect. Oh, so be an offline Steam. There okay, is a yeah. there is an offline mode for Steam. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I've never used that. Yes. That's good to um, know. It's reassuring. What I would like to see, I think, a, I think a good solution would be able to um, think about this. Because when you download a game, I don't know what the game, I don't know what like protections are on the game to keep it from playing on like another Steam account, for example. I've never even considered that, which seems like an obvious thing for me to consider, but I haven't. But anyway, it would be nice to be able to like package, like download a game from Steam, package it up, and save it basically as a ROM. Mm. And that way, if you know Steam ever disappears, you can just open the runtime and play the game. That'd be yeah. ideal. That'd be great. Would be uh, ideal. Yeah. So even your- better, even better would be to be able to remove the Steam like dependency yeah for sure but i don't know if i don't know how difficult that would be because i think it actually isn't just it isn't just a drm issue it's like a mechanical issue of like you know linking libraries and stuff like that especially for like controller support yeah steam handles all that stuff or most of it especially for newer games yeah probably a big to do probably not impossible but yeah it would be ideal if you could Remove Open all those dependencies. Look I was going to say to your point about, I guess, playing games with different Steam accounts. I, I kind of tested this. Um, oh, you did? Okay. Sort of, yeah. So my brother uh, has... He, he had a Steam account and he came over one day 
and he wanted to play one of his games on my computer. And so he logged in and downloaded this game. It was, what was it? In NRG, something like that. It was a driving game. And um, so once he left, you know, I still had the game downloaded and I tried to open it and it let me play it for a little while. But then it wouldn't let me like reopen the game. It was some really weird thing that happened. I was able to play the game once, but then it like registered that I didn't actually own the game and wouldn't let me open it again. And I had to buy it. Devious. Yeah, I didn't try to steal it. I just wanted to know the it, sneaky so. free trial. <laughs> yeah, got him. So I just need to log into his account every time before I open the game, and I can open it for free. Yeah, in theory. But I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of worried. I guess because I have a pretty extensive Steam library, sure. and it's at the point to where you know we've talked about this a little bit before. I don't think I've ever played the games. But I don't know. To me, it feels similar to, you know, I have a, a shelf in my house with DVDs on it. And like mm-hmm. that's how I feel about my Steam library is that even though I'm not watching all those DVDs at this moment, at some point, I I put forth the effort to accumulate these things. And I, I don't really feel comfortable with the idea somebody else can just take them away from me at any moment. Yeah. So here's the conundrum. And I don't really have a solution off the top of my head. Well, then I don't here's want the- your conundrum. Okay, uh, let's talk about clothes hangers. <laughs> Here's the conundrum, okay? Uh, it's a digital game, and it would be easily replic- replicable if it didn't have some sort of DRM on it. So that, you know, you don't want to bow to piracy and just make it open for everyone. Mm-hmm. But the only way really to, like, connect to you as a person or as an account holder is through an online check-in. Oh. Right? Like, or because there has to be some sort of check-in process. Now, what some people are saying about blockchain is like, oh, you could have a decentralized check-in process so that, you know, there isn't just one server that Steam, that Valve needs to constantly be like supporting. It would just be kind of like something that everyone pitches in on. Which is an interesting idea, but I hate blockchain stuff. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I hate using blockchain stuff when you could easily use something else. Mm, um, and so it shouldn't be that hard to have some sort of like peer-to-peer system that doesn't require spending copious amounts of energy and other crazy stuff. Um, so what you're suggesting is nfts i mean there's there's definitely like some positive ideas there in terms of what we're talking about ownership of a game Mm -hmm. you know if if nfts actually worked as a platform then yeah like you could buy the game and you would own it and you could transfer to somebody else and they would own it and you wouldn't anymore and in theory, this would be a system that will live as long as the internet does. And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't need to check in every single time. So, like, you know, it could be, that could work. I think NFTs, as they are, have a lot of downsides, uh, specifically because they're based on blockchain. 
<laughs> but you could have something similar that isn't blockchain based. You could basically have NFTs without it being like an append only crypto ledger. Yeah. And, and it seems like, I guess, eventually they will need to have a, a similar solution. Unless, I mean. Well, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think that Sony or Microsoft are inclined to create such a system. And whatever system, even if we come up with a system, they would have to support it, right? So it'd be hard. I guess. Do you know anything about the, what is it, the PlayStation computer or whatever it's called? They're moving into, hopefully it wasn't like an April Fool's joke. That I'm thinking of, but apparently <laughs> PlayStation's, fooled. huh? You got fooled. I might have, but I was, was curious if you if you'd heard anything about yeah, just PlayStation moving into the I guess PC space. Was it well, PlayStation PC? Maybe was what it was called. But effectively, I guess their answer to how Microsoft is what what's their what's their platform where they you can play their games either on the Xbox or on your computer. It's just the Windows Store. I'm pretty sure Game Game Pass maybe. No, no, it's the Windows Store, but the Game Pass is a subscription that exists on the store, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that, but yeah. I mean, it could have been like a rumor, but PlayStation PC apparently. So, so they're maybe. going to, they're, you're, they're, you're thinking they're going to build a PC client that can run their games, their, their PlayStation games? I'm curious to see, because they are starting to make the shift. And they're having like PlayStation exclusive games be available on the PC in some yeah. capacity. So yeah. I don't know. They've been making moves like they they are allowed cross platform recently, and then now this. I don't know. I think they might just be trying to follow the money. As long as they still let us play games on Steam, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So do you think you think Steam, Epic Game Store are gonna go anywhere anytime soon? Think Meta. Is gonna definitely destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not Steam. Uh, Steam will live forever. Epic will probably also live forever because of that Fortnite money. Fortnite, yeah, Fortnite but, would have to die first. Yeah, Fortnite would have to die. But the thing about Steam is that they have, I mean, the 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 Steam store is just bonkers. It is. It's, it's the de facto. Uh, Play Store, like, you know, uh, PC platform. Mm -hmm. They take a huge cut of the profits. They do. Um, And they also sell games. They sell, like, Half-Life. Right. They have some hardware out now, too. Like, there's there's a... They've got a lot lot of credibility in the space, despite the drawbacks. So, yeah, they're really hard to compete with. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, they'd have to back out. They really would. Who, why would they? I have no idea. I mean, but if they did, I think I feel good about them because they work so hard to support Linux and like open source gaming. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if they were to back out and be like, "We're not going to host the platform anymore." If they would like open source the servers and and you know the client and everything, so they could do basically what I described, which is just have it. You know, have the games that you own installed somewhere or mm-hmm. downloaded from somewhere, and then you can play them without having to like connect to the the Steam service. I think that'd be a great way to like keep 
to ma- maintain like a good relationship with their user base if they needed to, you know, back out for whatever reason. Right. Because yeah, if they just shut everything down and just took everyone's stuff along with them, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, there'd be nothing people well, that's not true. So we talked about like what can you do about about stopping the encroachment of of buying game licenses instead of buying games. Yeah. Uh I was gonna say nothing, but like you can vote with your dollar to some extent. But more realistically, you can pirate. And I mean, like... (laughs) You can be a pirate. I mean... R. I don't mean what we've been talking about, where you illegally play something and you steal. But you can, like, you know, be part of the movement to save and dump ROMs and distribute them to people who own the games. You know, you could be part of the movement to like find technology that will allow us to do that more realistically and robustly, robust features to avoid piracy and stuff. Like, not everyone can or will be part of that movement, <laughs> but uh, if you care about preserving games and if you care about owning your games and moving towards a future where we own our games and we're not beholden to like a server outage or something, join the rebellion. Join the rebellion. I mean, I'm half talking to myself. I don't, I don't, as soon as I finish playing a game on my PC, I delete it. I don't keep my games around. I mean, yeah, but maybe I a, should. Games these days just take up so much space. If they weren't so big, I'd feel more inclined to, you know, keep them installed. But it's, it's more of a hassle to keep them around when you're trying to do something else later than it is just to keep them for preservation purposes. Steam is cool. Steam is cool because you can give it, you can define secondary libraries. Did you know that? Uh, Like where to download your games? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can actively move between. So you could just have a huge external hard drive and have that be a secondary hard drive. You know, and when you finish a game, just move it to that instead of, uh, dang, maybe I should do that. I do have a huge external drive I keep around. You've solved the problem. That's it. Buy hard drives. <laughs> Buy tape. So do in you it, think that, um, I guess, in, in this idea of the DRM and preservation, you know, one of the things that's helped us up to this point, we talked about a little bit earlier, was the fact that there are still physical versions of games now that you can, to some extent, play. But do you think that physical versions of games are going to be phased out entirely? Uh, they're going to be what? You cut out there. Do you think that physical versions of games are going to be phased out entirely? Uh, not for a while. Maybe maybe in the future, but not for a long time. They're too it's too much part of our culture I think to want to have to want to own something. Mm. But yeah, I mean that's the obvious conclusion it's cheaper it's easier um not just cheaper not just cheaper to distribute because you don't have to print things on a disc and then mail them around but also cheaper to build the console like sony and x well not xbox sony's already building consoles without a disc drive yeah right like um actually yeah xbox did that too didn't they the yeah, last they, i think they started they started the whole digital version yeah. The Xbox One 
S A D whatever A D stood for. Anti disc. Anti disc. <laughs> but it was I'm... funny because the the initial spelled on Xbox sad. Sad. It's like Bro. very very good. Very Who, good. Whoever is in charge of their marketing and like naming their consoles, fire them. Please. Fire them or give them a raise. That's it's it's one of those things where it's like this is either the best thing you've ever seen or the worst thing you've ever seen. I don't know. I feel like they've been missing ever since the three sixty. Three sixty is a pretty nice name. But where I do you remember. go? Where do you go from three sixty? I mean, they could have at least done a little bit of fan service and had a seven twenty. You know. I don't know what it would have been, but that's the problem. Your first thought of what's where to go after the 360 was a meme, and (laughs) that's that's the conundrum they have is crap. How do we come up with an actually good non-meme name for our console? They could have well, maybe they go to Xbox. Well, it would have been the three, which yeah, they should have just numbered it. I mean, PlayStation, they, they they made the choice. They stuck to numbers, and it's been really simple to know which one you're playing. Nintendo, they've come up with, like, really, I don't know, top, like, names that make sense once you, once you interact with it, which I think is really cool. You know? Yeah, so, like, the PlayStation is using sequential naming. Mm-hmm. The N- Nintendos are... Like immersive names, I would say like non non sequitur names like they're not related to each other except no. the Wii U, which was a mistake. But yeah, like you said, they're also based. They each name relates to a, a fun feature that they mm-hmm. built into it. The Xbox is also using non sequitur. Well, it's not non sequitur because if you think about it, like 360 kind of has this sense of like um, encompassing everything. And then you move from that to one. So like from 360 where you have 360 separate degrees, but then to one. But then series is like the new name. And series is kind of like, you know, from one, how do you how do you build on one? You have a series of things. It's kind of like abstract naming. So it's like what Nintendo's doing, but has nothing to do with any features. To me, it seems like it's the names you give of of prototypes like that people are never supposed to know or say no they always, those always have like jaunty names like like names that are like uh all of google's hardware is named after fish internally well i think i think there's well i'm, I'm thinking like the prototypes like when you're first like when you're making uh incrementally you're making something so you give it like a generic first part of a name and then like a symbols that mean like numbers or letters that reference what you did to it versus like a version I guess, number. <clears throat> yeah, a version number, pretty much. You know, and that's how the Xbox ones, like not, but not in a sequential way like PlayStation, but more. Uh, I don't even know, just not random, non-sequential. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I will yeah, say I don't mind. I don't terribly mind the name, like one series. But then the sub sub consoles, the S and the X. What is that? What do S and X mean? <laughs> I it took me years 
to like learn the difference between the S and the X and understand which one was better than the other. What's the difference? In- the X is better. Is I don't know one? what the specific differences are, but I know that one is... I don't even know if... So the S is worse than the X, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it was worse than the base console for the one for the Xbox One. And for the Xbox Series, I don't even think there is a base console. I think it's just Xbox Series X or Xbox Series S. And they picked the two worst letters to use after Xbox Series. Because they both sound very similar to X. One of them is X. One of them is, in fact, X. (laughs) They sound very similar. (laughs) One of them is X, and one of them is the other, is is what Series starts with. (laughs) It's, It's a tongue twister. It's terrible. Wait a minute. So the Series S and Series X are different than the one. Well, or are they still Xbox Ones? No, they're Xbox Serieses. There's oh, an gosh. Xbox One S and an oh. Xbox One X. That's what you're thinking of. Please. And yes, those are different consoles. I think they I... came out after the One. There was a One. Okay. And then there was a One S and a One X. I don't think there was an Xbox Series. I think it's they went straight through <laughs> Series S and Series X. So they immediately made two versions. Yes. I'm done. I'm finished. It's kind of like the PS5 and PS5 discless. PS5 Slim to come. Oh, God. Yeah. they're At least Slim and Pro are meaningful words. Like, you can yeah. understand what they mean in context. And they still yeah. have the, the original name before it. So it's the, the PS5 Slim and Pro. So you, there's no confusion. Well, now it's going to be confusing because they have the PS5 and the PS5 discless. So are they going to have a slim version of both of those? I feel like they're only going to do a slim of the discless. You know, they they should do a slim of the discless and a pro of the disc. So then it would just become the PS5 slim and the PS5 pro. And you you can just know that one is, you know. But they're both, I guess, the pro inside. I would, I would imagine, as far as whatever makes yeah. the pro the pro. No, they'll, they'll both be. No, because the slim, the PS4 slim, is. Oh, not, you're right. Not, not related the to the pro at all. It's really just the PS4, but slim. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. that would break things. Never mind. Don't take my suggestion. No, you hear that, Sony? Ignore, ignore him. <laughs> cool well do we own things can we own them or do we just own them for a certain amount of time everything is fleeting we are just borrowers in this world i don't know why i I don't know why i said like that but i did (laughs) don't buy games from publishers who only you know sell a disc with nothing on it don't do it (laughs) don't don't support them and don't pre-order digital releases right <laughs> yeah, unless I mean honestly don't do it at all, but unless it comes with something you really want. And and you know the game is going to be good. I always stress that because you don't always know the game is going to be good. How many of you people listening to me right now pre-ordered a game and regretted it? Too many. I uh, did you see you see all the hands that were raised for the 
the yeah. listeners. Yeah, that that'll indicate. Yes, there are dozens of you. <laughs> well, if you don't have any more advice to give, Steve, do you have any any final thoughts before we uh, drink lots of water, mm. brush your teeth, take a shower? Very good that's advice. It. That's all I have. Yeah. Uh, pay your taxes. I wouldn't advise you pay your taxes. Taxation is theft. Oh, uh, I'm kidding. Commit tax fraud. I'm commi- I'm kidding. You should pay your taxes. Uh, <laughs> taxation can be theft, but isn't by definition theft. And if you say it is, just don't say it to me because I don't want to talk to you. Ooh. <laughs> so you have your orders, everyone. DM Steve. DM Steve <laughs> at Kyle. No. The yam dot <laughs> gmail dot com. Now I'm gonna have to go make that Gmail. Nobody else can have it. Kyle the yam. Awesome. Well, I don't have any final thoughts. I think you pretty much covered everything. Uh, you covered hygiene and, um, you know, yeah, I, uh, finances. I think I'm, all, I'm, all ta- I'm all talked out. Well, then that's going to be our show for today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. We were kind of all over the place today. We didn't have Brad to reel us in and uh, <laughs> keep us on track most of the time. Yeah. But do you, think, still a good do you time. think we'll have Brad next time? Do you think we'll have him back? I think it's a toss-up. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's fled the country. After taking your advice about tax evasion. Um, <laughs> so we'll just have to find out on the next episode to see uh, if Brad's here or who else is missing. It might just be you. Um, if it's just me, I'm just going to watch a movie and talk during the movie, I think. So just commentate on... That actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. You know, get on Netflix. Just be like, all right, I'm starting the movie. Three, two, one now. Like, you can't see or hear the movie. Mm-hmm. You just have to play along and listen to me. That'd be kind of fun. And no one would, Netflix couldn't be mad at me for that. They could, and they will. They'll find you. No. Say, we we know which movie you're commentating on, and we no. won't have it. Ooh, even better. I would probably just have it on a Netflix party and share it with my, uh, with our Discord. Hey, Then other people party. can watch. That's right, yeah. That'd be fun, actually. You we heard should, it here we first. do more things with the Discord. If there's ever a solo Steve episode, it's going to be a Netflix watch party. It's going to be an interactive experience. Yeah. You and Steve. Uh, paid admission. Um, paid, of course. <laughs> but painted yeah, admission. Painted. Hit us up in the Discord. Uh, or tweet so at much. us. Oh, yeah, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, you can listen to this podcast that you're hearing right now. On YouTube, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. And if I missed any, we're probably on that platform. Uh, Apple. Apple Podcasts. That's what yeah, we're on Yeah, Apple. Um, but just search us on Google and we'll come up. And you can listen to us there. You can interact with us on Discord on and all the social medias. But I want to thank you today, Steve, for being here today. You're extremely welcome. You're welcome Thanks. anytime. Literally any moment of my life, you are welcome. Well, I only want to be welcome in this moment. Okay. And Come also, on. Bradston, thank you for being here in spirit today. <laughs> He's still tied up in the closet with tape over his mouth, as you can hear. Uh, and thanks, very, even even more excited thank you to Not our more. super agile family that's been listening and supporting us uh as I said our earlier, check us out on other platforms. We really appreciate 
all of the the love and support that we get everybody who listens and shares the podcast we couldn't do it without you Uh, shout out to everybody in the discord and until next time be easy y'all take care stay safe peace